left half my sermon over there. You almost got out early, but not so fast. All right, let me pray for us as we open up God's word. Father, we are here because you have assembled us. We belong to Christ. It's in his name we gather. It's because of our faith in him that we are united together. He is the head of this body. Lord, as we consider the truth of your word, Lord, I pray that you would make us one. Lord, would we be the family of believers that you intend for us to be? Lord, would we be a local church that looks like what you have designed and revealed to us on the pages of Scripture? Lord, would we be a church united in the Holy Spirit, united in the gospel, united for your glory, united in our witness to the nations? And Lord, I pray that you would use your word to do that supernatural work among us even today. Lord, open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Teach us by the Holy Spirit. Build us up as a body for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this morning we are continuing our series, We Are Rocky Point. Last Sunday night we gathered for an event called We Are Rocky Point, and we made a statement uh, as we gathered together. We were adopting a new constitution and bylaws, and by doing so, We were saying, this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is how we operate. This is what it means to be a member of our church. And since we've been thinking about what it means to be a church, it's a great time for us to look at the Bible and consider what Christ's design for the church is. And so uh, over these three weeks, we're looking at three different aspects of Christ's design for the church. Last week, we considered the truth, we are Christ's. We belong to Christ. Today, we are focusing on the truth that we are one, and next week, we'll consider how we are sent. But today, we're considering the truth, we are one, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. And uh, we'll read this passage together. Since these words are breathed out by God and come with the very authority of Jesus Christ himself, if you're able, would you please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, the Holy Spirit says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, 
where would the sense of hear where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. Well, last Sunday at We Are Rocky Point, we handed out a list of the members of Rocky Point Baptist Church. And you can find that in the foyer if you didn't get one of those. Um, but I hope that you did uh, pick one of those up or that you will pick one up. And I hope that you find it to be a useful tool. It is a great resource for prayer. It's a great resource for care. It's a great resource for disciple making. As you look at the names on that list, you are looking at your family. You are looking at the names of those that Jesus tells you to gather with, to love, to hold accountable, to keep in the love of God, to build up, to speak the truth to in love. Elders, we are looking at the names of those we will give an account to Jesus for. This is a big deal. It's a precious list. Every name, a soul saved by Jesus that each one of us is responsible for, that we as a congregation are responsible for. This is our family. But maybe when you look at that list of names, you see certain people and you're not quite sure what to do with them. Maybe you see someone who's very different from you, who you've never really clicked with. How united do you have to be with a person like that? How much do you really have to know that person? Maybe you see someone on that list who you admire, who, who's really gifted, and you're reminded how much you wish you were like that person. Well, how does that affect the way that you think about your role in the body? What does that do to your serving? 
Maybe you see a name on the list and you don't know who they are. What is your obligation to that person? How important is it that you not only know who they are, but you know what they're going through? What 1 Corinthians 12 shows us is that within the church, we are all different, but we are one. We're a diverse group of people, and and that's a good thing. But Christ has also united us together as one body for his purposes. We will thrive as a church when we embrace both the unity and the diversity of the body of Christ. We will thrive when we realize that unity and diversity are Christ's idea. We will thrive when we live like our differences are a blessing, not a burden. We will thrive when we press into the unity and interdependence that Christ intends for his body. So here's the message of 1 Corinthians 12 for us today. Embrace the unity and diversity of Christ's body. Embrace the unity and diversity of Christ's body. In these verses, Paul offers three ways we can do this. So how can we embrace the unity and diversity of Christ's body? First, embrace Christ's work. Embrace Christ's work. If we are to embrace the unity and diversity of Christ's body, First, we must recognize that unity and diversity in Christ's body are the result of Christ's work. Christ did that. Christ made the church to be like a body. Look at verse 12 again. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. The human body is one entity it's one complete organism yet the body is made up of many parts each part has a different function a different size some parts of the body are visible some parts of the body are invisible some are simple some are complex but for all of their differences the members of the human body all together form one unified body And this is how Christ has designed his people to be as well. As a church, we are one entity. We are one congregation. Yet the body is made up of many members. We have different gifts. We come from different backgrounds. We're at different levels of sanctification. We have differences in gender and age and ethnicity. But for all of our differences... We as members all together form one unified body. Christ has made many people into one body. It's Christ's work, his design, and he has done this through the one Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. At conversion, 
that moment when a person becomes a Christian. He or she experiences a spiritual baptism. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a separate experience that comes after conversion. Baptism in the Holy Spirit happens the moment a person is first saved. And this spiritual baptism is kind of like a physical baptism, except instead of a a pastor or a church representative doing the baptizing, Christ does the baptizing. And instead of being baptized in water, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about this spiritual baptism, but here in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is making a specific point about the body of Christ. This baptism in the Spirit is an entrance. Baptism is an entrance. Specifically, it's an entrance into the body of Christ, the church, the people of God. And this is, by the way, one of the reasons that we understand water baptism and local church membership to be so closely related. Uh, Spirit baptism is a believer's entrance into the universal church. Water baptism symbolizes this and, and coincides with entrance into a local church. Baptism in the one Holy Spirit, this spiritual baptism, takes a diverse group of people and brings them together as one body. All sorts of different people are invited to drink, as Paul says, of the one Holy Spirit. Both Jews and Gentiles can be baptized in the same Holy Spirit. Both slave and free can enter into the same body. Because of this spiritual work, because of Christ's work, because Jesus baptizes all sorts of different people, but in the one spirit, they can all become one body. The body of Christ is one body with many members because of the work of Christ. And Jesus is able to unite many people in one body through this one spirit, ultimately because of his death on the cross. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. In this chapter, Paul talks about how Jews and Gentiles who believe in Christ are united together in one body because of the death of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, and look with me at verses 13 through 18. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, that is Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those Uh, to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. At the cross, division died with Jesus. At the cross, Jesus broke down every wall that could stand between different people within the body 
of Christ. At the cross, the law that separated Jews and Gentiles was abolished. At the cross, free and slave were made equal in Christ. At the cross, male and female are both made children of God. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who was over all and through all and in all. The unity and diversity of Christ's body are the result of Christ's work. Christ did it. He brought the many together. Christ is the one who has made unity possible, even for people who are as different as we are. We can embrace the unity and diversity of Christ's body only if we first embrace the work of Christ. Second, if we are to embrace the unity and diversity of Christ's body, we must embrace unity, not uniformity. Embrace unity, not uniformity. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 12. Christ has made many different types of people equal in his body. Everyone in Christ has equal salvation. Everyone in Christ has equal status. Everyone in Christ has equal value. But while the members of the body are equal, they are not identical. They are not uniform. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. The body is not just one member. The body is not just one type of member. The members of the body of Christ are to be unified, but not uniform. We are all different by design. So don't think that you are any less valuable as a member of this church just because you are not like someone else. Look at verses 15 through 16. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. You know, you may really appreciate teaching. But you're not gifted in teaching. And so you feel inadequate because you can't do what someone else can do. Or you may see someone who is really gifted in helping those in need. And you are like, I wish I could even think of how to show that level of care and hospitality. But you can't, so you feel like, well, I guess I just, I must be a, a subpar church member. Well, you need to know you don't have to be like anyone else. You may not have the gift that you wish you did, but you are still a member of this church. You may not be able to contribute in the way that you used to be able to contribute, but that does not make you any less valuable to this body. You may be young and think you don't have as much to offer as someone older, 
But there are no junior Christians. You belong just the way you are. You belong with the giftings God has given you. You belong in the stage of life God has you in. You belong with the capacity that God has given you. You belong just the way you are. You are essential. There is not one member of this church that that does not apply to. You, the individual, are essential. Look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? If, if we were all the same, we would be missing a lot. If we were all the same, we would be missing vital functions. We would be missing vital contributions. If you were like that other person you admire that you wish you were like, our church would be missing out on the unique contribution only you can make. God designed us to be unique. Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. You are a member of this body as you are because God put you here. It was God's idea. You didn't get in on some sort of a, a fluke or an exception. You didn't fly under the radar. You didn't get in on a technicality. If you are a member of this church, you are here and you are part of this body the way you are because God arranged the body this way. You have the gifts you have because God chose to give them to you for the good of our body. And if there is a gift that you don't have, it's because God chose not to give it to you. He chose for you to build up the body in a different way. We need to understand that comparison, as Paul um, articulates here in 1 Corinthians 12, this comparison is a unity killer. The unity that Christ intends for his body comes when each of us embraces the unique way that he has made us, and then we contribute in the way that only we can to make the body better. We shouldn't waste our time comparing ourselves to others. Instead, we should embrace who God has made us to be and contribute the way he designed us to. For me personally, I've struggled with the fact that God has kind of made me a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. Um, I have always felt pulled in multiple directions. And I've struggled with jealousy toward my friends who are specialists. Um, I, I see my friends who can play guitar and are, they're able to devote all of their efforts to being a world-class guitar player. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could do what they could do. Or I see my friends who, who only preach and they're able to put all their eggs in that basket and, ex, and excel in preaching in a way that I can't and I wish that I could. But just as quickly as I compare myself to them and am jealous of them, I've also had friends who have compared themselves to me and have been jealous of me. Like, man, I wish I could do as many things as you can do. I, I'm only good at one thing. 
But no matter what direction that comparison is coming from, comparison distracts us from embracing the unique way God has designed each of us. It distracts us from our unique ministry to the body. It is not God's will for me to contribute to the body by being the best at one thing. God designed me to contribute to the body by being okay at several things. And I need to embrace that because that's the way God arranged it. It may be that God's will for you is to contribute to the body by being the best at only one thing. So embrace that. It's good that we're all different. It's good that we have unique contributions. Our unity does not come from uniformity. Our unity does not come because we're all the same. Unity does not come from uniformity. Look at verse 19 as Paul circles back and wraps up this section. He says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? You know, you might think that to be a body, to be a unified congregation, we would all have to be the same. In fact, some churches have even constituted themselves based on the lie that you have to be uniform if you're going to be unified. But actually, if we were all the same, we would cease to be a body. If we were all the same, we would not be a body. A body is not a body without different parts coming together to become one. Unity that comes from uniformity is worldly unity. It's easy to be united with people who are exactly like you. But the kind of unity God designed for the body of Christ is not easy unity. In fact, it's a kind of unity that can only be achieved by the death of the Son of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. If the unity that you have doesn't require Jesus to die or the Holy Spirit to empower it, it's not Christian unity. The power of the gospel is put on display when different people who would otherwise have never been united together are brought together in one body by the supernatural power of God and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So embrace unity, not uniformity. Well, finally, if we are to embrace the unity and diversity of Christ's body, we must embrace diversity, not division. Embrace diversity, not division. We need to embrace Christ's work. We need to embrace unity, not uniformity. And we need to embrace diversity, not division. We are, we are not all the same. We are diverse, and that is a good thing, but we're still one body. Verse 20 says this, as it is, there are many parts, diversity, yet one body, no division. We are many, but we are one. Embracing our differences should not lead to division. 
Just because someone is different from you, that does not mean that you do not need them. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So let me ask you a challenging question. What category of church member do you think we could live without? What category of church member do you think we can live without? Division can exist on a number of fault lines. Division can exist between those with speaking gifts and those with serving gifts. On one end of the spectrum, someone might say, I'm, I'm a teacher. I speak the eternal truth of God. It's hard to see what's so valuable about picking up a mop. On the other end of the spectrum, someone might say, I'm a servant. I'm showing tangible love by meeting people's real, actual needs. I can't believe someone would waste their time on all that theology that doesn't change anyone's life. Division can exist between those who are longtime members and those who are new members. On one end of a spectrum, someone might say, yeah, I've been in the same community group for 10 years. New people are fine, but I don't really need them. On the other end of the spectrum, someone might say, you know, there's, there's enough of us new people here. We don't really need those people who have been around forever. Division can exist between uh, the intellectual and the down-to-earth. On one end of the spectrum, one might say, ah, they're just too academic for me. I want to spend time with people who actually know how to have fun. On the other end of the spectrum, someone might say, ah, they're just so shallow. I mean, I want to talk to people about things that matter. So whether it's one of those or something else, what category of church member are you tempted to think you could do without? The truth is, the members of this body who are different from you are just as essential to this body as you are. The members of this church who are different from you are just as essential to this body as you are when it comes to our own human bodies we understand that our different parts are different but all are still essential paul makes this point beginning in verse 22 on the contrary the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Just because someone can't do what you can, that doesn't mean they don't serve a vital function. My hand can't see. But that doesn't mean I don't need my hands. My feet can't calculate the circumference of the earth. But that doesn't mean I don't need my feet. Another member of the body may not do what you do, but they do something important. Also, just because someone serves in an unseen way, that doesn't mean that they're not 
essential. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not important. Thinking about the body analogy, you would not appreciate it if you saw a video of me getting a colonoscopy. But my digestive system is important, and I honor it. It may not be presentable, but I honor it. I'm not going to show you my bare back for the sake of modesty. But my spine is the most important part of the structure of my body. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not important. You might not be able to see the value of your fellow church member. But they are still important to this body. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not important. Now look at verses 24, uh, the second part of verse 24 and verse 25. But God, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. No matter what your role is in the body, God honors you. No matter what our roles, we need each other. God designed the body to be diverse so we would be dependent, not divided. Let me say that again. God designed the body to be diverse so we would be dependent, not divided. If you had everything you needed in and of yourself, that would not be good for you. God designed each of us to do something, not everything. And he puts us in a body with people who can do what we can't. This way, when we can't do something that someone else can, we must learn to be dependent on our brothers and sisters. And when we can do something that someone else can't, we must learn to care for our brothers and sisters. God designed the body to be diverse so we would be dependent, not divided. God intends for us to be interconnected. In fact, God intends for us to be so interconnected that we share in each other's sorrow and happiness. Look at verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. When we're divided and one member suffers, we won't be sorry. We might not even understand why that person is suffering so much. You might think, man, that's happened to me a dozen times. You don't see me crying about it. What's their problem? When we're divided and one member rejoices, we won't be happy. We may not even understand why that person is celebrating so much. 
you might think, I, I can't even wrap my mind around, uh, uh, I can't even wrap my mind around why someone would get so excited about something so ridiculous. But God's design for the church is that we would be interconnected, so interconnected, even in our differences, that we would actually experience sorrow when someone else suffers. That we would actually experience genuine happiness when someone else is honored. So as you look at our member list, do you know which members are suffering and which members are rejoicing? When it comes to those who are suffering, are you weeping with them? When it comes to those who are rejoicing, are you celebrating with them? We are all different from one another, but we all need each other. So embrace diversity, not division. May we look at the members of our church and may we see brothers and sisters whom Christ has united through the one Holy Spirit. May we look at the members of our church and see people all with different gifts, all of whom are essential and valuable. And may we see people who are called to, that, may we see people who we are called to know and love and cherish. May we see in our church a group of people that is beautifully diverse, yet supernaturally united, because in Christ we are one. Let's pray together. Father, in Christ, you have united us. Through his death, you have torn down all the walls that would divide us. In the Spirit, you have brought us into one body. So, Lord, make us one. May we be one as we are one with Christ. May we be one as you are united to the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, would we recognize the beauty in our differences, that it's not good, according to you, that we would be uniform. Lord, would we experience the interconnectedness that comes when we embrace our differences. But Lord, as we embrace our differences, Lord, would we never be divided? Lord, would we stay unified in the Spirit, in dependence on one another, interconnected with one another, rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. Lord, would we be a body as you assemble, as you design, as you arrange for your glory and for the spread of your glory throughout the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.